The season hasn't even started, and we're already seeing ESPN throw some shade towards the Kentucky Wildcats. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Daw, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be discussing ESPN disrespecting our boy Trey Mitchell It needs to stop, and we're going to explain why. Also, we have an update to Kentucky's non-conference slate. I want to talk about that individual team that the Wildcats will now be playing, and I also kind of want to just overall look at some of the really difficult games that the Wildcats have to begin the season. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the show. It would mean a ton to us here at Locked On Kentucky. And also, if you're listening on podcasts, follow along there wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, follow, whatever the button says. Appreciate it if you tapped it. All right, so let's go ahead and get into it. ESPN has released their transfer portal rankings uh, for uh, all of college basketball. And I believe it was 100 players uh, that they had in this ranking. It might have been more. But according to Tristan Ferris, who did a little digging on Trey Mitchell, he is this season, apparently, according to ESPN, the 64th best college basketball transfer. He's ranked behind several players who have yet to start a college basketball game. And I'm going to be straightforward with you. I'm perplexed. So diving into it a little bit more with Ferris, I think, makes it a little bit more interesting because in Ferris's tweet that he had about this list, you also see a couple of seasons ago, whenever he transferred from UMass to Texas, that in 2021, Trey Mitchell was ranked fifth overall by the same writer at ESPN who did the college basketball transfer portal rankings in the summer. So Trey Mitchell, within two seasons has gone from transferring from UMass, by the way, UMass, and being described as a dominant big man for the Minutemen this past season, earning first-team All-Atlantic, or All-A-10 honors, dominant big man. He goes from being the fifth-best player to transferring to Texas to then transferring to West Virginia, and now he's at Kentucky, and apparently he's no longer a dominant big man. He's just kind of there, according to this writer from ESPN. So much so there that he has dropped 60 spots, essentially, 59 spots in his rankings. And this is what the writer has to say about Trey Mitchell. Kentucky will be Mitchell's fourth school in five seasons after starring at UMass and making a one-season or one-season stops at Texas and West Virginia. Talented big man who offers a perimeter threat. Career career averages of 13.7 points and 5.9 rebounds. So all of the sudden, we have gone from dominant big man to just eh, talented big man. You know, he's he's just kind of there. It's whatever. And we've dropped him 60 spots. One more thing to note here in Tristan Ferris's tweet is the fact that Antonio Reeves 
last season was ranked, what was it, 30? He was ranked 36th among all players. The dude that was averaging 20 points and shooting almost 40% from three was 36th. In case you're wondering, Hunter Dickinson is the number one overall player. Ryan Nimhart is the second. Jesse Edwards is the third. And then Max Amos is the fourth. Caleb Love to Arizona is the fifth here on this ESPN list. I'm not going to sit here and dog uh, ESPN or Jeff Borzello, who, is, who was the author of this, of this article. But I want to I say a couple of different things here. There is no way that Trey Mitchell is the 64th best transfer portal edition. He's just not. He, he's just not. There are, there are several other players here that I think are significantly better. Let's just take, let's just take one random one here. I'm just going to scroll into the list, and let's see. Johan Treor at, at number 41, transferred from Auburn to UC Santa Barbara. He was a former five-star prospect that decommitted from LSU, barely played down the stretch of 2022, doesn't even have his statistics on there, and I can tell you as somebody that, uh, that has followed uh, the Auburn Tigers uh, for a good amount of time, uh, the man did not play, and whenever he played, he played terribly. Let's let's keep it let's keep it pushing. Let's let's look. Let's see. Keon Min, uh, committed to Arkansas from Washington, averaged ten points and three point one assists in the Pac twelve, which is currently a dying conference, as opposed to Trey Mitchell, who is a versatile big man. <laughs> Why is Trey Mitchell underneath him? Let's keep going here. Number fifty or number fifty one. Jameer Nelson Jr., this is what I don't understand, averaged 20.6 points and 3.6 assists at his former, at his former college, Delaware. Go Blue Hens. I've got a, got a couple of friends that go to Delaware. But he's 51st. 20.1 points going to TCU, a Power 6 school. That's not a good addition? I don't know. How about this? Daniel Bacto, 6'11", sophomore from, uh, that is now at Texas uh, Tech, committed to, uh, to, or from Texas Tech. He committed to Louisiana Tech. Had 21 points and six uh, boards against Ohio State, 17 against Creighton, and a double-double against Georgetown. Battled injuries over the second half of the season. The dude didn't play. When he played, he had a couple of great games. Cool. Is that worth uh, putting him 46th? Uh, of like almost 20 spots, 18 spots above uh, above our, our boy here, Trey Mitchell. And then let's let's go down right above Trey Mitchell, Cormac Ryan and Javon Quinterly. Javon Quinterly has been at Al- has been in college basketball for what feels like a decade now. Formerly of Alabama, former five star prospect, did did nothing for the Crimson Tide for a couple of seasons. And then they had to start him because of rotations and, and issues there. And he ended up playing decent, but he's not a great three-point shooter. He's averaged 11 and a half points per game. Cool. What about the dude from Notre Dame, Cormac Ryan, committed to North Carolina? 12.3 points in 2022. How is that, how is that objectively better than what Trey Mitchell's brought to the table? I don't know. I don't know, especially considering Trey Mitchell has shown uh, across the board that he can fill it up wherever he goes, immunity. He can he can score wherever he goes. He can distribute wherever he goes. He can shoot. Now, it's very evident. He's a good spot-up three-point shooter, catch-and-shoot three-point shooter off the pick-and-pop. He's a valuable addition to any school out there. 
I'm very curious to see if he had ended up somewhere else where he would have fallen on this list. And I'm not claiming ESPN has Kentucky bias. Far from that. But what I'm going to sit here and tell you that the disrespect for one of the most versatile pieces in the transfer portal, quite frankly, I think is ridiculous. We talked yesterday about the distributors on this team. We talked about how great Rob Dillingham is going to end up being distributing the basketball for Kentucky. And we talked about how good DJ Wagner's gotten at it. And we talked about how Reed Shepard, I think, is good enough at it. Um, but, but you've got several players on this roster who, if given the opportunity, can really spread the ball around and rack up the assist. Again, most notably, notably Dillingham. But I, I'm looking at this Trey Mitchell edition, and we saw this in the Global Jam, and I'm sitting there going, man, this guy can can really be a valuable source of offense for Kentucky, not just scoring, but also just being that threat and getting other guys open looks. Kentucky's got a lot of really good catch-and-shoot three-point three guys on this team. Antonio Rees, I think DJ, DJ Wagner, in his, uh, in his limited time with the Global Jam, I thought he showed that he's able to do that. Shepard. Rob Dillingham, actually, if I'm not mistaken, knocked down his one catch-and-shoot three, and he, it was, he got fouled on it, too. Again, just a tough shot maker. Um, we talked about that yesterday, um, among other things. Uh, but Trey Mitchell, the disrespect here, I think is ridiculous, and it needs to stop. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. It's very difficult to pinpoint the right people at the right time and get them to actually perform the way you want to because it's kind of difficult to scout some people out with the initial process that you go through. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team for fast, or that's faster and for free. All you have to do is go over to linkedin.com slash college and just put it out there that you're hiring. Add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are indeed looking to make a hire. They have really simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and higher. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs the number one source in delivering quality hires versus leading to competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Again, you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, continuing along here on the Thursday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Really appreciate everybody hanging out with me here. Um, if we've ruffled some feathers over the past couple of days, I apologize. We're going to keep it pushing. Um, I, I don't think that that's, it's nearly as important as some people may think it is. So I appreciate everybody out there that's watching or listening. If you're listening on podcast and, if you, and you didn't listen to yesterday's show and you have no idea what I'm talking about right now, you can go listen to it to add some context. Maybe you'll get offended too. <laughs> uh, but I appreciate everybody that has stuck around. If this is your first show, if this is somehow your first episode of Locked On Kentucky, appreciate it. If you sub to the channel or you sub to the podcast feed wherever you're watching. And after you're done listening to this podcast, I would appreciate it if you went and listened to the college Locked On College Basketball Podcast with Andy Patton and Isaac Shade. They do a great, great, great job over there covering all things college basketball. I hop on there quite a bit. It's a great time. Andy Patton, Isaac Shade, Locked On College Basketball, wherever you get your podcast, also on YouTube. So, 
Kentucky basketball's non-conference slate this upcoming season is tough. We've got some fun games, some winnable games, with an overall what I think is a better team. And now they've added another really, I think, interesting opponent to the slate. UNC Wilmington has been added to the non-conference slate, according to Rocco Miller, who is a college basketball analyst. The Wildcats will host the Seahawks for the first ever meeting between the two, two schools on Saturday, December 2nd. Kentucky has not announced their actual non-conference slate. They have not announced how they're going to schedule everything out, and, and they've not fleshed it out, I think, to the fullest extent. And we understand that it's July, you know, you know, people are still trying to find different games to, to play and such. And a couple of years ago, we really got to see that with the Wildcats, where a couple different issues with COVID caused uh, some chaos with, uh, with the slate. But I am excited to see Kentucky play this UNCW squad on top of all of their other non-conference opponents. Because you may say, UNC Wilmington, who are they? What, what are, are they even, it sounds like a no-name, you know, group of, uh, uh, what is it, mid-major school, I should say. I keep, I keep thinking about football in my mind. I keep going to group of five. Well, according to Ken Palm, and you know how much I love Ken Palm. If you've been around on this show for a while, uh, you, you will know how much I, I love talking about Ken Palm and their analytics. Last year, UNC Wilmington went 24-10, actually. They were one of the better teams in their conference, the Colonial Athletic Association, the CAA. Started off the season really hot, had a little bit of a, a rough patch there towards the end, won two games in the CAA tournament before they get, getting bounced by Charleston. They were a decent team on defense, and they were a poor team on offense. That's not necessarily surprising, considering they had a first-year head coach and Takayo Siddle, or not a first-year head coach, uh, just a, a very new, young head coach in Takayo Siddle. Uh, who has been there now for two full seasons. He was named the interim, I think, just a couple of years ago. Yeah, named the interim just a couple of seasons ago. And, he, and he's been really solid since. So it's a very young team um, for them last season. They were 236th in uh, Division One experience. So they, they, they did not have a lot going for them uh, in the experience department. And I think that led to some inconsistencies scoring the basketball. They got to the foul line, though. They did get to the foul line uh, a decent amount. Trezarian White is their best player. He is back for this team. Uh, he's going to be a solid wing for them. That'll be an interesting matchup against Antonio Reeves this upcoming season. But the thing about UNCW that I like is on top of the fact that it's a first-time opponent is that I think it's genuinely going to be one of those games where it's like, it's not just like, oh, well, you know, they'll roll over and, and, and really Kentucky's just going to take it to them a month into or three weeks into the season. I think that this will end up being an opponent that gives Kentucky a run for their money because of the coach that I'm very impressed with so far during his tenure. He went 27-9 and nine, uh, just two seasons ago, 24-10 and 10, again this past year. They've got a roster that's building experience. They've got a defense that's actually pretty sound. Um, I, I like the numbers that I see from them. I see the potential here. And Kentucky's got a young team, too. And I understand in most situations here in the non-con slate, my analysis has been, eh, talent wins out. It's whatever. Um, but I truly do think that this will be a game where Kentucky's talent will have to win out because I think that the coaching on the other side of the ball or other side of the court is going to end up being pretty solid. So 
UNC Wilmington, again, Saturday, December 2nd, is the addition here. The non-conference slate as a whole, let's talk about some of these games. And I, I want to do a whole show on this at, at some point here in the near future. Although Kentucky is yet to announce their 2023-2024 non-conference schedule, look at some of these games here. Okay. Kansas in the United Center in Chicago for the Champions Classic on November 14th. I was at the Champions Classic last year. I'd like to go again this year, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to. Miami during the ACC-SEC Challenge on November 28th. That's going to be at home. So you have Kansas, Miami, the CBS Sports Classic against North Carolina, Ohio State, or UCLA. So that will be a fun game there in the CBS Sports Classic per usual. You're going to play at Louisville, and then you're going to get Gonzaga at home. I want to reiterate these games. Kansas, Miami, North Carolina, Ohio State, UCLA, Louisville, Gonzaga. Again, UNC, OSU, UCLA, those are three games. One of those games is going to happen. Let's just say, let's just say it's North Carolina for the fun of it. You've got two ACC schools on your non-consulate. You've got three ACC schools on your non-consulate, excuse me, including um including Louisville. You've got Gonzaga, who will be once again very strong. You get the you get those uh, Bulldogs at home. You get the Jayhawks and the Champions Class. I mean, the, the, there are some really fun games here. There are some difficult games. Miami was a Final Four team last year. Gonzaga knows how to score. North Carolina is looking not elite, but solid under Hubert Davis, and I'm intrigued to see what they look like this year. I believe R.J. Davis is back for them. Uh, UCLA would be a, just a really difficult matchup. I know UCLA is losing a lot, but Mick Cronin and that defense is going to be tough to get past. Ohio State, I know absolutely nothing about. <laughs> um, and then Kansas, obviously. That game, I think, will be heated for a variety of reasons. After losing to the Jayhawks last season at home in Rupp, and then also because of the fact that Hunter Dickinson ended up choosing the Jayhawks over UK. I think that there will be a lot of juicy storylines uh, heading into November 14th for Kentucky. And that will be a game that I'm really looking forward to, to covering. So... This non-con slate, I am thrilled with. And I think that there are some games here that Kentucky can win. I, I think that they can truly, you know, make their mark here to start the season. It's just a question of whether or not they're going to actually be able to execute, unlike last season, in high-pressure pressure situations. So, if you've got any thoughts on the non-con slate, if you've got any thoughts on Kentucky's upcoming season that I'm thrilled about, you can leave that in the YouTube comments below. And I think that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnUK. You can follow me on Twitter at LanceDahl underscore, and you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the YouTube comments below. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless.